I'm Lydia. I'm Ashley, and we're your go-to gals for some honest advice and good conversation. Grab your favorite mug, brew some coffee, and get cozy for this week's episode of Coffee Table Conversations. As this episode is being released on September 11th, we would like to take a moment to honor those who have lost their lives on 9-11 and would like to give a warning that today we will be talking about loss and the grieving process if that is something that is triggering to you. So overall, we want this to be a space where we can discuss things that usually aren't talked about by a lot of people. And of course, while this podcast is mostly Lydia and I, we want to bring in people from the community who are just doing good work and also, um, you know, continue to speak on things with no filters and highlight different people around us that we want to share with you guys. All that being said, I would like to introduce Isabella, who is one of my roommates and best friends who has been working with a local nonprofit for the past few months called One Million Monarchs. And that's the one um, nonprofit that we're going to highlight in today's episode. Hello. So yes, I'm Isabella Tranalone, and I wanted to first off thank you both for letting me be a guest on behalf of One Million Monarchs. I recently started interning this past summer for this organization, and I'm so lucky to have met Stacey Sywick-Sassine, who's been an amazing mentor to me. Hello, Isabella. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Welcome all. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like, you're our first guest, so we're like a little bit. I'm so excited. (laughs) Very fancy. This is honestly, I'm really excited because I know that we wanted to work with some like nonprofits and community stuff, and it's always nice to know someone that's actually working with that group mm-hmm. to start. So, okay, so can you start a little bit by explaining the backstory of the um, the book? So it's called Caterpillars Can't Talk, and we know a little bit, so we know it's a children's book published by Stacy in honor of her mom who wrote it but then passed away. And we would love to hear the whole story from you. Absolutely. When Stacy's father, Jim, was in college, he became great friends with a man named Roger. Jim and Roger went on to meet their future wives, Chris and Pam. They stood up at each other's weddings. They enjoyed fishing, hunting together. They started their families and they had children. Jim and Chris had two children, Jim Jr. and Stacy. So Roger and Pam had a son named Chad. And on February 22nd, 1977, Roger was killed in a tragic accident, leaving behind his wife and young son. And Roger was 30 years old. So Stacy's mother, Chris, being of strong faith and a good friend to everybody, wanted to help Chad understand his father's death. She wanted to help Chad make some sense of the tragedy and of his own grief. So as a writer and a fine artist with talent, she knew she could share. She had an idea. So Chris wrote and illustrated a book called What You Are Never Stops. She dreamed of getting the book published and tried for several years to do so. After receiving many rejection letters, Chris put the book away and put her dream on pause. Fast forward then to 1989, Chris had suffered um, since childhood with a heart murmur that was an outcome of rheumatic fever as a child. While she knew something was wrong, she had no idea that the hole in her heart, which was causing the murmur, had grown to about golf ball size and that one of her heart valves was no longer working properly and probably hadn't been for years. So doctors informed her that it must be fixed. Valve replacement was attempted and then failed, and ultimately a heart transplant was her mom's only hope of survival. She got the new heart, but she did not make it through it. It was, um, she was 42 years old when she died. 
So Stacy was 16 years old and a sophomore in high school. Her brother was a freshman at University of Notre Dame, and their hearts were obviously broken. And so she turned to this book for understanding. The book that her mother wrote to help another child understand the death of his parent was now her survival guide. So she clung to that, and the book was full of life lessons and her mom's illustrations of caterpillars and butterflies, and it gave her some measure of peace. Butterflies became her symbol that her mom was near, looking out for her, and sending signs when she found herself at a crossroads. So then, Stacy's first order of business was to dust off her mom's book and bring it to life so that it could help others, as she had intended. She started to let her heart lead the way, and she found that a high school friend had a book publishing company. And when she asked about it, she showed interest in her project. Through the process of talking about how to bring the book to market, her heart led her to take things one step further. And that's how One Million Monarchs was born. It's a not-for-profit organization that she started with a clear mission to support teens who are grieving the loss of a parent, sibling, or close friend. It is our hope that through our work, we can help kids find purpose in their grief. Oh, that book is so cute. I also love the name. Like, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like, um, it, I don't know, I feel like grief is hard in general, but explaining it to kids and helping kids through that, yeah. it's don't even know where to start. Right, so, there's I mean, no easy way. Yeah, there's literally no easy way. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's, I love how it started with that, and then kind of, you know, she knew that that was her passion, and she wanted to do something more, um, starting with the not-for-profit, we love that. Um, we we love not-for-profit wow Um, and then so basically I know that I mean of course like all of us have had I'll preface with this all of us have had different experiences in life but I know that grief is something that everyone faces in some degree Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, like at some point throughout our lives like all of us lose somebody who's close to us whether or not they're like an immediate family member or a friend um yeah at some point we all kind of have to deal with this big thing and it's like interesting that none of us really talk about it like in society Mm -hmm. considering the fact that you know all of us go through it at some point right and I feel like that's I mean I understand why it's not talked about because it's so hard it's such a hard thing but it also it's I wish we talked about it more Mm -hmm. I understand why it's not but I do wish we talked about it more just to make it not easier because you know of course it's going to be hard either way like it's it's hard and you can't you can't tell someone how to grieve one way or the other it's all about making sure that you know you just you know that you can tell people that you're there for them right and that's Mm -hmm. one important thing that with the organization it's just Mm -hmm. even just getting people to talk about it more to other people that's huge and that's something that is Stacy and I and everybody involved in the organization is really passionate about. Just mm-hmm. something like this. This podcast was great to come on and like just be able to talk about, have a little discussion about all our experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's it's okay to talk about it. I know it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So vulnerability, I think, is what's scary. Like a lot of us just I mean, it's hard to be vulnerable because, you know, like it's opening up a part of yourself that you don't share immediately if that makes sense no yeah exactly and I think just not even grieving but just like death in general mm-hmm. it's hard like that's at your most vulnerable I yeah. think so like openly talking about that is not something that people are like oh yeah for sure let me go talk about that with people 
you know, it's not, it's not a thing that it's fun to talk about. I know this is a hard thing to yeah. talk about, so I don't know who wants to start. I'll definitely start with some of my personal experiences with death and grieving. Um, luckily, I really don't have too many. Um, when I was younger, both of my grandparents passed away. My grandpa's passed away when I was very young. And I mean, obviously, that is very hard going through a death, especially like I was a kid. So I don't really know what happened or why. You know what I mean? Like you question mm-hmm. like what's happening in the world and what happens after someone dies, right? Mm-hmm. So um, something I thought of, though, when I was thinking about my personal experiences is how this can kind of indirectly affect me, but then you watch it affect everyone else in your family or your life that's close to you. So for example, when my grandpa died, I was sad, but I feel like I was so young that I didn't really know what was happening, but I watched how badly it affected like my mom and my grandma. So that's just something interesting I like noticed is growing up too, especially when you're younger, how grief indirectly affects you. Yeah, honestly, I feel like especially as a kid, that's how you see it. Like if you don't understand it, you see how it, you know, affects like your, you know, your mom or something. That's that's the most impactful, I think, for kids. Just seeing how mm-hmm. it affects everyone around them. Um, I mean, yeah, I would basically say same thing for me. My so my grandpa lived with us for the last five or six years that he was alive. And I think losing someone in that lived with us was very different for me because I mean I it's just, I'm an only child so it's only my parents and me so I've always had a really quiet household so it was just like it was very it was an adjustment at first too and and then when he passed away it was like oh wait someone was living in that room that just like really messed with me like that it, it was just very different and I mean kind of stemming from that by the time my grandpa passed away I was a junior in high school and that was the last grandparent I had alive. So I think that was also really weird because, I mean, of course, like when I was younger, like a younger kid, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and I'm grateful for that, to have that as a child. But then also like, oh, like in college and stuff, like my grandparents aren't here. Mm-hmm. But, like when I'm getting married, like that whole thing is just kind of weird to me sometimes. But but I don't know, I am, on one hand, it's like, I'm very grateful for the time that I did have, and I'm glad that when I was growing up, I had them. It's just, I don't know, it's just very different from what a lot of people have, so, yeah, it's like a lot of, it's, it's different It's cool from, that you yeah. got to have your grandpa live with you. Mm-hmm. It's cool, you yeah. got that experience, and like, at least that we got to hang time. out, yeah. we got to hang out, like, all, like, the, um, I always remember, like, Christmas morning and stuff, I'm like, oh my god. The whole fam is here at like seven a.m. because obviously, like he lives here, so that was cool. Yeah, it's an interesting point that you brought up of like losing somebody that lives in your house because I feel like it definitely not that it's like easier or harder, but it kind of hits you in a different way because you feel like not only like the emotional like loss, I guess, but just like the physical yeah. loss too, like just little things like you were saying like walking by the room and just knowing that like he's not in there anymore and you're just so used to having him there like you really start to I feel like it hits you more often because it's like so closely like in your space true yeah it's like a physical I mean instead of like just emotional and mental it's also physical yeah because like you're with him being there so right 
Yeah. Right. It's a three in one, unfortunately. Three, yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I guess I can talk about my experience now. So my dad passed away when I was 11. So I guess that kind of like builds off of what you were saying about losing somebody that obviously like lives in your house um, and how you kind of feel that a little bit more directly, like mm-hmm. their physical presence. Um, and then my maternal grandparents, my grandpa passed away. I think my mom was like 10 or 11. And then my mom's mom, so my maternal grandmother, she passed away when I was, I think, nine. So yeah, those are like the three main people I would say that I have lost. So I've dealt with like from the age of like nine to 11, I guess, I dealt with kind of a lot of grief, but it was also just like they were so different. Because obviously my dad, like, I was close to him. But then, like, my losing my grandma was just a completely different experience because um, she had a stroke when I was one. So, like, we were never able to, like, communicate in the same way. Um, and she had, like, dementia and stuff. So it was just, like, it's interesting how you can lose two different people and, like, how those grieving experiences can be, like, different depending on, like, their relationship too. Yeah, that's actually so true because it's not, like – every time that you lose someone, it's going to be the same. Yeah. There's so many factors for how, like, I mean, like what stage of life you're in also, but then your relationship to them, like physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that really shapes. Yeah. Like how you're going to process it. Process. Yeah. I was like, react is not the right (laughs) word, but process it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's like, I don't know. I feel like also all these things, like this is stuff that I don't talk about. Yeah, no, I I feel that like, even though I've had such a huge loss, like I don't really talk about it with people. And I think partially it's because it feels just like unrelatable. Um, cause not that many people like my age have lost their dad. So I just feel like it's unrelatable and it's like sad. And I'm just like, do I really mm-hmm. want to, you know, if you're like out to dinner with your friends, you're like, let me talk about something like super depressing. Like n- nobody really wants that, you know? Right. You're like, when do I, yeah. Like, when do I want to bring this up? Or like, what? Like, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Like I've known you for like what? Almost 10 years. And I feel like I don't like really talk about it that often. Yeah. And it's not even like intentional. I'm just like, it never really I'm just right. not talking about it I guess yeah I mean especially like you said at, at age 11 like that's yeah it's I mean that's like 10 years ago so it's like a weird yeah time frame too to be like do I yeah I don't know yeah like, don't know. it's like, like hard to put in words yeah it's not like it just happened like I'm kind of used to it now unfortunately so it's just kind of something that I'm like yeah like that happened right like I'm I can be weirdly casual about it and people are like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I mean, it's just like the process has been ingrained, I guess, for so many years. Of, yeah. Like, I guess I don't want to say dealing with it, but like processing it. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't know. I, I see what you mean about like not, I mean, like death in general, not even like one specific thing or the other like losing someone it's like how do you you don't want to like bring it up I mean like you said like sitting at a dinner table and be like so guys yeah it has to be like an intentional discussion too because like not everybody's gonna want to talk about that not everybody's comfortable so it's just like a combination of like reading the room and then like kind of making sure you know the people well and like the setting is appropriate because you don't want to like you know end up if you're at like 
I don't know why this came to mind, but like if you're at a wedding and like the whole table starts talking about like the grieving process and death and like suddenly the whole table is like sobbing. Like, no, like you got to like read the room, you know? Right. right. I literally just pictured a table at a wedding just like crying. <laughs> that was sad. I'll say it. <laughs> like, ooh. But yeah, I mean, exactly. It's like reading the room and being comfortable with who you're talking about it with too. Because, like, it's a deep thing. So you're not going to be like, oh, I can't, you know, like, I met you, but, like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with you. Or, like, let's just talk about it. Yeah. Like, that's obviously not the not the space for that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like another thing that we wanted to talk about that kind of goes into this that I think would be good to talk about is things that I guess any of us have found that – or, like, Ashley, if you have some, like, insight on this or, like, any of us really – um, things that you have found that would that help with the grieving process and then things that people might say help but are really like uh no mm-hmm. yeah um so the first thing that like comes to mind just because like we're talking about it is just like discussing it with other people and like gaining different perspectives but then also kind of reminding yourself that some people aren't gonna have helpful advice and like sometimes you're not always looking for advice and people are gonna give you like unsolicited tips and you're like no it really doesn't help so like talking about it with other people that you're obviously comfortable with um and especially like therapists and there's like bereavement groups that work specifically with people who have lost someone that's close to them um yeah so just discussing it and like getting different perspectives but also not like taking them directly to heart like obtaining the perspectives and then just kind of like letting them sit there for a second and like figure out whether or not you want to like integrate that into your grieving process yeah no that that makes sense so I feel like the worst is when people try to give you advice yeah yeah I was like no but I mean, kind of like the that's the one thing that I found was really cool about the book was that it wasn't telling you how to feel. It was like helping you through it, like comforting, but not like, so this is what you should be doing. It wasn't like that. It's more of like, this is to help you and to comfort you and take what you will from it. Yeah, exactly. So to just in general with any advice and mm-hmm. kind of how Ashley's saying to just let any advice or anything people say just kind of sit with you and then take what you want from it Mm -hmm. it's not like you're forcing people to think one way yeah or the other because obviously everyone's different and everyone experiences it different and obviously with grief it's even more true that everyone experiences it different Mm -hmm. um I guess for mm -hmm. the situation Ashley like with your dad specifically what were some things that really did not help? Like, what did you really just not like mm-hmm. through the grieving process? Um, Something that I feel like people who haven't, like, gone through a death of a person that's, like, really close to them will just be like, yeah, like, they'll try to point out the silver linings, which I can see how, like, that would be helpful for some people. Or, like, if you're removed from the situation, how it's easy to be like, yeah, but, like, think of all the good times you had. And it's like, yeah, but, like, immediately after you lose somebody you're not sitting there thinking okay like what's the positive because you're just like sad you know Mm -hmm. like it's traumatic to lose someone that's like that close to you so just kind of allowing yourself to move through the process of grief and not forcing yourself to be like okay like what are the positives because that's probably not going to be helpful it's just going to be 
like irritating like you know when you're sad and a positive song comes on and you're like this is annoying I hate it. <laughs> yeah like that's yeah. what it feels like yeah yeah honestly like I I always feel that way when if I'm having even just like in general with other stuff too if I'm having a bad day or if something bad happened and people try to turn to me like the minute after it happens and it's like but it's okay like but you had a good morning right like something like that (laughs) yeah literally just let me process and be sad for the rest of the night and then tomorrow like you know whatever I will process the way I want to process but yeah if someone tries to tell me that too early Mm -hmm. it makes it worse you just need someone to like validate your feelings basically Mm -hmm. be like yeah like this is really hard and not be like but here's what you can do about it just being like yeah this Mm -hmm. is difficult and like that's hard to do when you're I feel like a lot of us when we're trying to help somebody we like try to give them advice but really when somebody's like really upset what they need is for us to just sit there and be like yeah this is really difficult like do you want me to is there anything you want me to do and stuff like that right like actually understanding that it might be not, you know, not the time right now. Yeah, like not going to fix it. Um, right, like just just let the process happen for a minute and be there. Mm-hmm. So I know that a lot of like artsy like forms, so like movies, books, like forms of art or like writing, that kind of thing can, I mean, just in general, help de-stress. And I don't know, I find like writing and reading very comforting, mm-hmm. but have any of or have either of you guys like really used those kind of forms to process grief or just use that to like comfort you in some kind of way and in like any example um I think for me I would say music for sure Mm -hmm. I love like all genres of music um and so I just think listening to music or like working out listening to music are super helpful for me in anything stressful or just really in anything in that area definitely when you need some comfort, some good music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely, for some reason, I used to not really be into music that much. But now, I literally have it on all the time. Like, in my AirPods, if I'm having a stressful morning, I'm like, bye, Just pop in some music. Bye. I'm, I'm just putting some, like, low-key guitar music on or something. Or also classical music. Mm-hmm. That helps me I don't know why it just helps me so much yes yeah, I'm having the words it's just like not the vibe you're like you're like I just right. want instruments I don't need the words in my ears yeah <laughs> no I don't need that yeah I feel like for me journaling has always been something which is like funny for me to say because it's not like I'm an avid like journal or journal person <laughs> journaler I don't know the um yeah, but, like, when I really need it, it is super helpful because I'm just, like, a visual person, and a lot of the time, I just have ideas and thoughts floating around in my head. So, like, getting them out on paper and just, like, looking at them um, just helps me, like, process them and look at things more objectively, for sure. Yeah, I was getting it down on Yeah, paper. and just, like, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I feel like writing it all out is almost just like taking away yeah because like pouring it on paper I don't know that's yeah like it's very metaphorical I guess just like taking it out of your brain and like Mm -hmm. physically putting it somewhere else kind of I think it's there's like been studies about it for sure don't quote me on that but (laughs) I feel like there are (laughs) like (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, because I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Reading and writing to me are similar in the sense that it just removes... This is going to sound like, I don't know if the right way to put this, but like it removes me from reality in yeah. a sense, yeah. like real life kind of thing, because especially with books, I used to be, I mean, I still love like nonfiction books and stuff that are like self-development or self-improvement, those kind of books, but I've really been into fiction books right now just because I can forget everything for literally at least like 20 minutes and just pretend I'm in the book. I'll just, like, I'll bring a blanket, like, sit outside or, like, on my patio in Michigan, and I'll just read my little book, just, like, literally put my phone in the other room. That, to me, is so peaceful just because it just removes myself for a little bit, and then when I come back, like, to my phone or to my laptop or work or whatever, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm just in a better headspace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I feel like there's a stigma with, like, removing yourself from reality, too, when people are, like... You just have to, like, deal with your problems. You can't, like, remove yourself from reality. But, like, sometimes you really do just need that, like, step back, you know? As long as it's not obviously, like, a constant thing and you're, like, you know, numbing yourself out all of the time because that's clearly not healthy. But just, like, knowing when it's appropriate to have those moments to be, like, you know what? Like, I am done thinking about this. I want to just escape for, like, an hour or two, you know? Right, exactly. It's like balancing that kind versus, oh, like I'm, I'm not gonna do anything for like five days straight. I'm not gonna do any of my responsibilities. Yeah. Like it's a finding that in between. Yeah, yeah definitely balance. Yeah, that. balance. Like, yes, everything needs to be in balance. Yes. <laughs> Something I think of too that just really helps me no matter what is if I'm having like a busy week even or something's like going on in my life, just finding little things to look forward to, whether it's like over the weekend or whatever you have coming up that's like can help you de-stress like oh I'm going out to dinner on Friday like that's something that Mm -hmm. really makes me feel better I'm like okay I just need to get through like this work or I can do this but I have this to look forward to yeah it's like a reward yes it's like a (laughs) like a the finish line like even if it's a Monday and I have something planned literally next Saturday like okay yeah, That's you fine. still look forward to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like that. Like... It gives you just a timeline. Yes. Or something to be like, okay, I can do it until then kind of thing. Like, I, I got mm-hmm. this. And then you can look forward to, you know, spending time with friends or family or trying that new restaurant. Yeah, that's what my mom used to tell me for, like, before I had dentist appointments or doctor's appointments as a kid. She'd be like, just think about what you're doing after. And, like, sometimes she would plan little, like, outings. If for some reason the dentist, I just – hated as a kid I mean didn't we all but like I was petrified and she would be like okay so after your dentist appointment we're gonna go to like the bookstore and I'll let you pick out a book so stuff like that yeah it's like it works for kids and adults (laughs) it works for everyone yeah I used to do that with ice cream after the Mm -hmm. doctor or like I don't even know it would be like ice cream or some kind of snack after like just that special thing to be like okay exactly through to get that reward and I'm like okay I can do it that's fine as I'm still crying you know in the doctor's office yeah I'm like it's for the ice cream it's fine yeah and something else that like helps me too um is weirdly enough like showering like just taking a warm shower Mm -hmm. and literally just like I picture just the stress like being washed off of me which I know is like very you know like cheesy and self-helpy 
but like yeah something about just like feeling clean and like the cliche of like doing a face mask it's not actually like the face mask I think it's just almost like a cleansing ritual and like physically like cleansing yourself and then doing something to like help your mind I guess like cleansing your mind in a way Mm-hmm. I don't know. yeah our little like face mask nice yeah face mask and like yeah the, I mean those night I, yeah I mean I see what you mean about like it's not exactly the face mask but it's the whole process yeah and like the whole, the whole right thing. like when you go for like the whole you know those showers you're like I'm gonna wash my hair I'm gonna use my special conditioner and like you do a scrub and you do all these different things and then you put lotion on and then you put your favorite PJs on just stuff like that just taking care of your body mm-hmm. physically in ways that like are simple yes, are favorite. I love mm-hmm. yeah. self-care uh, routines self-care it's been one of my favorite things especially I don't know going through like grief too or like the process of grieving like just getting into a nice self-care routine always mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. helpful yeah I feel like especially with like you know taking a shower and that stuff it's just keeping up on that and feeling clean yeah keep it a clean and like cl- yeah clean and fresh yeah and especially yes. when like you're grieving too I think it's important to celebrate like the small wins and I remember specifically like right after my dad passed away like I went to take a shower for like the first time and like I just got into the shower and I just like couldn't be alone and like I mean I was 11 too so like that probably has something to do with it but just little stuff like that like celebrating those wins and like knowing that we all process things differently and like maybe your win for the day is literally just getting in the shower and like washing your hair and that's it just celebrating those things and not feeling like you have to just I don't know do everything to drown out the grief I guess right right just those little things even if they sound little they're really not they're so wins yeah, no, exactly. that's some great advice. Thank yeah. you for sharing. And I'm like, I want to go take a shower. You can But um, but yeah, I'm actually I'm super excited that we got to share a little about yeah. the book and the nonprofit. I just I love bringing other like this is so fun mm-hmm. to bring other people on here and just like, um, because I mean I like we said in the beginning, everyone has a different view and experience. So, I mean. Like it's fun when like the two of us are just popping off, but having three of us like giving our own experiences and everything, it's it's fun. It's really yeah. insightful. Well, thank you again for having me as a guest. Um, I hope that anyone listening looks into Caterpillars Can't Talk. It's an excellent um, book to give when you need to comfort a child, a friend, a student, anybody, and it brings healing and understanding. Um, some ways to help with the organization One Million Monarchs. Um, There's options to become a mentor for a teen, raise funds, plan events, donate, spread the word, time or talent, and help facilitate a support group. Um, All that information can be found on our website at One Million Monarchs. You can check out um, Caterpillars Can't Talk, has its um, its own separate website, and then social media platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, along with Stacey Sassine and her journey beginning grief coaching. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. We also have all the information and all of, like the Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Well, I'll have all of that in the little description box too. Absolutely. And lastly, no matter what you have been through, we wish you all the best and to continue to grow through what you go through. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Coffee Table Conversations. We hope you enjoyed hanging out with us. Keep up with us on Instagram at Coffee Table Convos and join us next time for a brand new episode. 